say that tonight with all of your heart and mean it. Lord, I need more of you. I need to see more of you. I need to see you manifested more in my life on a daily basis. That's my prayer tonight. Will you go with me to prayer now? Heavenly Father, Lord, I need you, Lord. Lord, I need you this very moment to come take complete control of my vessel, Lord God, once again as I get myself out of the way and surrender to your anointing tonight, Father. Lord God, that you can speak directly to the hearts of people, Lord God, that the message, Lord God, can be delivered as clearly as you gave it, Father. Lord God, that we can recognize that we have a part to play. Lord God, that we have something, Lord God, that we are supposed to fulfill. Lord God, may we step into that part tonight, Lord Jesus, and allow you to have your way completely. Lord God, I just surrender myself now. Lord, surrender my thoughts. Lord, may you take these lips and purge them, Father. Lord, shut my mouth, Lord, from anything that you wouldn't want me to say, Lord God, and allow me to speak with boldness that which you have given me. Lord, we commit this service now into your hands, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. you will turn with me in the scriptures to John 14, 12. And it says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of the word. You may have your seat. I'm also going to read here from Corinthians where it says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these things worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severely as he will. And one last scripture I want to read briefly before I move on. Revelation 3.11. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. We see that there are many gifts placed in the church many operations of those gifts, but the Lord tells us that they're all from the same spirit. They're all to serve the same purpose of us being to recognize his, his presence amongst us. It says in 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. In other words, we are here to live this life to serve. We're not here for selfish reasons. A, a gift isn't given to you for you. That gift is given to you to, to serve others with, to give it back, and we are here to focus all of our abilities, our time, and our efforts for the cause of Christ. Brother Branham taught us that, that eternal life was living for others. 
We are to live our life for others. We are to give ourselves to the cause of Christ that it may benefit others. And we just had communion and we had foot washing and we did that to remind us that we're here to serve. We're here to serve others, to give ourselves to others, to give everything we have wholeheartedly to to Christ and to play a part for the greater good. Uh, The last time we spoke, we spoke here and we talked about unfilled fibers and, and we talked about how each and every part needed to be surrendered to God. And that how our fibers must be filled in order that God can fully manifest what it is he wants to do through us. How that each of us are a fiber in in, in the greater body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we recognize that one little thing out of place, one little thing out of cater can affect not only our lives, but it can affect our family. It can affect our services and it can have a much farther, greater reaching impact than what we ever realized because we have something that is out of order or a place in our life that's not filled. And we spoke about how how important we are to one another. In other words, I need you and you need me. In other words, to put it bluntly, to bring it down simply, we're a team. We are a team working together for a common goal. And, and within a team, there are roles that must be filled. Within a team, we can't have a football team can't have three guys starting at quarterback. You can only have one quarterback, and the other people must find another role that they can fill. They have to be willing to play a role on the team. Um, Someone once said that individual commitment to a group effort, that is what makes a team work. So in other words, yes, we believe in the concept of team, but without individuals, we cannot have a team. And without individuals committed to the same goals with the same vision, without full commitment, then we cannot accomplish everything that God wants us to accomplish. So even if the majority of us here tonight are on board and the majority of us have the same vision and we have the same goals and we're working together, that's still not a full individual commitment from each and every one that allows us to operate at what I would say is 100%. That would allow us to accomplish everything that God wants us to accomplish. One thing that we know, though, is that we all have a part to play, and you have to decide whether or not you're going to play that part with all of your heart. We are all going to play a part. We are all going to play a part. You don't have a choice in that. You see, somebody's going to play Rahab. Somebody's going to be Achan. Somebody's going to be Balaam, and somebody's going to be Caleb. Somebody will be Abraham and somebody will be Lot. Somebody's going to be spewed out of the mouth of God, but somebody's going to be the final voice to the final age. Somebody's going to be the spotless, virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. And if we're sitting here tonight and there's a place that I can pick, I'm going to say, why won't that be us? Why not us tonight? Why not decide to play that role instead of the lukewarm church, the people that are spewed out of the mouth of God? You have the opportunity tonight to be the very voice of God, to be the manifestation, to, to, to allow God to use you to show the manifestations of the power of God to a dying world. That's what I believe this church is called to be. It might as well be us. Titles and position, though, with titles and with new positions come new responsibilities. You say we are the bride of Christ. You say we are that bride without spot or without wrinkle. But with that comes responsibility. With that comes works that you are supposed to do, that you are to fulfill. And you must fulfill them because if you don't, somebody will. He said, hold fast, lest someone take that crown. Take the reward for the labor that you were supposed to do. But because you didn't, someone else came in because somebody's going to fulfill that role. Somebody's going to fulfill that part, and you chose not to. It's not that you didn't have the opportunity. You had the opportunity. It was yours. He said it was your crown. But someone else took it. 
someone else got the reward. So you have to make a choice. Am I, do I want to accept the responsibility? Do I want to accept what comes with the title, what comes with the gift of being what I say I am? Too often we as Christians want to sit on the sidelines and we're thankful for what God's doing. We like to cheer on what God's doing and go, man, that's a, that's a wonderful work, but we're not willing to lend our efforts to what it is he's doing. We, we, we maybe even sometimes sit back and go, man, that's good, but how come God's not doing more? But how do we have a right to ask that if we're not even putting what we have into it? How do we have the right to even sit back and go, why aren't there more miracles? Why aren't there more this? Why aren't there more that? If we haven't put everything we have into it to ensure that those things are taking place. You must give all you have to the cause of Christ. You must give everything you have to the part to which you are supposed to play. You see, the work of the Lord's not just going to happen. The Lord needs your hands. The Lord needs your feet. And he needs the gifts and the talents that he gave to you. He needs those given back to him. So that he can use them, those gifts, we know that gifts and callings are without repentance. But once you surrender yourself and you completely give those over to the Lord, then those gifts and callings can no longer be hindered because they're placed back in the hand of the one who created them to begin with. And when they're in his hands, then he can use them. Where in his hands, then they can manifest exactly what they're supposed to do. You have a part to play. As individuals, there's only so much that we can accomplish. But if we each play our part, Teamwork is the fuel that allows common people to accomplish uncommon things. And that's a wonderful thing, especially when you consider the fact that we're not common people. Especially when you consider the fact that you've been called for this hour, you've been called for this work, you've been anointed for this day, that you are the people that received the last day message. You're much more than common. You're supernatural. So if teamwork can allow common people to accomplish uncommon things, what can teamwork amongst the bride of Christ do? When you lay aside your differences, when you lay aside your petty things, when you get a vision and you get a goal and you say, come on, brother, let's do this together. Come on, brother. We got some something we're working towards. There's a reason they put blinders on those horses so they don't get distracted and look around what's going over here and what's that horse doing. They don't care what the other horse is doing. They got a finish line that they're running towards. They got a vision and they got a goal. You're an uncommon people with an uncommon vision. And when we work together and we lay aside all those things and we're in one mind and one accord, we can accomplish so much. Ask yourself this question. What can we, under the message of the hour, anointed for a rapture, what can we do to further the kingdom of God and destroy the kingdom of Satan? What can we do? Ask yourself right now and be honest in your heart. Do I do all I can for the kingdom of God? Do I do all I can to make sure our services are the best they can be? I'm not asking you to raise hands. Brother Joe, could you get me a water, please? I'm sorry. But just in your heart, do you do everything you can to make sure that our services are the absolute best that they can be? Do I do all that I can to help fulfill the Great Commission? To see that this message reaches everyone. See, before this age, before the restoration of Paul's gospel, the the Great Commission couldn't be fulfilled anyway. This is the age that the Great Commission can be fulfilled because the gospel's been restored. And, and yes, look, you look around and you say, well, Brother Aaron, we have a great church. Yes, we have a great church. But we weren't called to have a great church. 
That's not what our calling is. We have a job to do. And we as a church, we may already accomplish so much. But but what could we do if we could get every one of you, every one of us committed to a common goal? Committed to the same thing with the exact same laser focus. If we got everyone committed, listen, I don't want to diminish the work that we've done. I don't want to diminish the work that we do. But in the light, in the light of what must be done, are you, am I, are we doing enough? So what is the goal? And I may ask you a lot of questions tonight, and I don't need you to actually answer them. I just want you to answer them in your heart. What do you want to see? What do you want us, Evening Light Tabernacle, to accomplish here? Nice services, good music, good preaching sometimes when Brother Tim and Brother Joe and Brother Timothy are preaching, sound doctrine. An occasional healing touch to let us know that God still heals. No, really. What do you want Evening Light Tabernacle to be? Let me put it to you in a different way. In the great eternities, when the annals are written, what will it say about Evening Light Tabernacle? I can hear a hush fall over the crowd as Evening Light Tabernacle walks forth and stands there on that day, on the day of accounts, when we stand there with our pastor, and we will, we'll stand there with our pastor. Brother Branham said we would. said every group would stand there with their pastor. And you hear the hush fall over heaven as the account's given, and, and they read from the scroll, and it says, Evening Light Tabernacle was blessed beyond measure. A very special gift was given there, placed in the body of our brother Tim Pruitt to pastor them through the dark times of Laodicea. Gifts of ministry were given there for the perfecting of the body. Gifts of singing and gift of music was given there in great abundance, in overabundance. The very presence of God was felt among them many, many times in their services. Faith was preached to them. They were taught that the gifts and the manifestations of the Spirit were to be active and alive in the church. And on and on and on it'll go. And they were given this and they were given that. They were given this blessing. And they were, or let's not call it a blessing. Let's call it they were given tools to further the kingdom of God. And then, oh my church, and then the reading of what we did with it begins. Are you ready to stand there? Are you ready to stand there on that day as they begin to read what you did, what we did, with everything that was set before us, with everything that was given to us, with the opportunities that was given to us? Because we are blessed beyond measure. And to whom much is given, much is required. We have a great responsibility, church. We have so much that, that, that we can be doing, so much that we need to be doing because of the opportunities that we have to serve, because of the gifts that's been placed all around us. So I ask you again, what do you want us to be? What is your vision? And I thought about this even before I began to study out this thought, and I was just sitting there, and I, and I just wrote down some things one day, and I said, what are we? What do I want us to be? You know, at, the, at the end of the day, what's important is what does God want us to be? But as I had these thoughts, I tried to align them with what, what the word says. And, and I tried to align them with what the message said. And I said, what do I want us to be? 
And I wrote down what I want Evening Light Tabernacle to be. A living church whose members are filled with the Spirit and live according to the will of God found through prayer. Thus, producing services that are filled with His presence. And therefore, the manifestation of His presence through the supernatural. Salvations, deliverances, healings, miracles, and gifts of the Spirit, all on display and working among our church. A church whose vision is to take a rapture. And with this as their vision, they are burning to get the message out beyond these walls. Knowing that we cannot go until the last one is found. A church joined together in the same mind as described in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 1.10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Brother Branham says here, I want to see why this church can't be carried away with the power of God and with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, with signs and wonders. What's the matter? Your pastor believes it. You believe it. So what's wrong here? There's something wrong. This should be a lighthouse of the world. This should be a place where the powers of God and weeping and crying and seeking for God ought to be going on day and night. Why can't we have it? Why can't we have it? I want to see, he was speaking about his church, but I'm speaking to Evening Light Tabernacle tonight. I want to see this church swept away in the power of God. I want to see the power of God manifesting itself amongst us. I want to see more signs and miracles and wonders, and I'm not saying we haven't seen those things. There is life in this church. I've seen it, but there's more. I believe there's more that he wants to do for us. There's always more. We can't have the attitude that we've attained it. Well, we got the message. Yes, we got the message. But what was the message given for? If your doctrine's right and that's all you have and it brings no life, it brings no power, you might as well be at the church down the road. It's not about just having your doctrine right. It's not about just what did the message come for? What was it given for you to do? Let me make this clear. I'm actually very, very proud of who we are. I'm very proud of the services that we have. I'm proud of the moving of God that we have in our church. We're not a dead church. I'm proud of the lived lives that I see in, in y'all, and I'm proud to call you brother and sister. Y'all are wonderful Christian people. You're wonderful people. This is a wonderful church, but I refuse to be satisfied with having a wonderful church. I refuse to make the same mistake of the past ages of the past church ages that got a message and it was wonderful. And they said, this is the message. This is it. The doctrine's right. And they sat down with the very message of the hour and they died right there with the message of the hour. But it's time you take the message of the hour and it's time to move on. Not move on from the message of the hour. Move on with the message of the hour. Using the message of the hour to do what it was called to do in your life. What is the message sent for? To tear down strongholds of Satan. To take away territory from the enemy. To enlarge your borders. To bring souls into the kingdom. To see the lost saved and the sick healed and the bound delivered. That's what the message was given for. That's what I want to see each and every service. Not once in a while, not every now and then, not when we feel like it. But the power of God moving back and forth across this congregation every time we gather because he told us he's here. So if he's here, what's the problem? We must move forward. We must move on. Doing what God intended us to do with this message, operating in the power and the administration of a living God. What do I want us to be? A church writing another book of Acts. We've heard it said, 
I believe we've written chapters of it. But we're not writing another chapter. We're writing another book. There's more to do. There's more to attain. A church that says, I want more. I must have more. Look, I'm not blind to what God has done amongst us. I'm not blind to what has happened over time in our church. I've seen the salvations. I want to see more salvations. I've seen the deliverances, but they're still more bound. I've seen the healings, but they're still more sick. I've seen what he's done. Thank you, Lord, for the mighty works you've done amongst us. But what's wrong with saying, I know there's more for me. I want to see more. I want to grasp more. I want to attain more because I believe my God is capable of so much more than what we actually allow him to do. It is us who hinders him. He is not, you know, it's us that hinders him. It's not him sitting there going, I can do a miracle every now and then, and then I got to save some up because there's another church that needs a miracle. You can never use up the power of God. You can never use up all the miracles, all the power, all the everything you have need of. He has it, and it's us that hinders him. I've not reached the mark. I know that no matter how much I see, I haven't reached the mark, but I know I must press. I know we must press. Press against what? Press against the darkness of Laodicea that would try to cause you to become complacent. Press against the the lukewarmness. Be a man. Be a woman of vision. We must be a church of vision. We must be a church that understands what we are to do and what we're trying to do it for and where we're going. Because without a vision, without goals, without goals, there's no drive. And without drive, you become stagnant. And you begin to settle into a denominational lifestyle of church on Sunday and then church on Wednesday. And in between church on Sunday and in between on church on Wednesday, we live our lives. We do what we do. And we don't think about church again until the next time it's church day. We don't think about the work of God again until the next time it's, you know, we go to church tomorrow, don't we? I mean, I've said that before and it shames me to say, oh, wait, today's church day. How does that happen? Because we live our life and we forget about the true work we're supposed to be doing. We're so busy gathering straw for Pharaoh's kingdom. We're so busy slaving away for Satan's kingdom to, to the point that we'll come in on a Wednesday night tired from work and sit there and not enter in and not pull. And by doing so, show which kingdom matters the most to us by which kingdom we gave the most effort to that day. If I can give that much effort to his kingdom during the day, I ought to be able to come and give that much effort again to my Lord and Savior who died for me, who gave everything for me when he was tired, when he was wore out, when he was walking up that hill and could barely take another step. He didn't give up and go, I'm too tired. I've already done a lot today. I don't care what you've done today. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is in this building. Even now, the pillar of fire hovers above your heads. You should be able to respond to the word. You should be able to praise his name. He died for you. He gave you everything, and he sent back his power for you to operate. He sent back his power for you to use, not for you to go, we've got the power. Well, do you? Where? When service lets out, we don't think about church again or the work of God again until the next week. But if we're going to achieve what God has for us, if we're going to fulfill our part, you're going to have to do your part. You're going to have to step up to the plate. You're going to have to say, Lord, here I am. Use me how you see fit. Not, well, I'm going to go do this work and I'm going to go do that work. That, that's not what he's necessarily saying. He's not saying you have to go do every work. He's asking you to be willing. He's asking you to be willing to do whatever it is he lays on your heart when he lays it on your heart. We saw in the scripture early on that God placed many diverse gifts in the church. And the scripture says they are to benefit us. 
1 Corinthians 12, 7, the evidence of the Spirit's presence is given to each person for the common good of everyone. So speaking in tongues, miracles, interpretation, deliverances. We see these things in operation in the book of Acts. We see where Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also and even greater. We, we, we see these things. And I'd say that through the years we've seen these things in our church. But I believe God wants to operate more than ever in the realm of the supernatural, not less. Yes, we've seen the supernatural, but I want to see more. I'm, I'm of a supernatural race. I have a supernatural birth, and I serve a supernatural God. So why should I expect anything less than the supernatural to be manifest above, uh, among us when we gather together? A supernatural people, born again by a supernatural birth, to worship a supernatural God that is supernaturally in the room amongst us. I expect to see the supernatural. I expect to see the power of God manifest amongst us. And when it doesn't, there's something wrong somewhere. Brother Branham says here, Pinch your spiritual being, my dear brother. Pinch your soul as it was with prayer and say, Lord Jesus, check up on me. Let me take inventory tonight before I go to bed and find out what's the matter with me. I've been professing for years and I don't see these things that Jesus said, that he said would be with me. And these things that would, are supposed to go on, I don't see it. What's the matter, Lord Jesus? Listen, we're better taught and I hope you're better taught not to think this is what I'm saying. We're not to go chasing after gifts. That's not what's being said tonight. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the word says these things are supposed to be amongst us. That they are supposed to be there to encourage us. To show us the evidence that his presence is amongst us. To manifest his power. And they are there to benefit us. That's what the word says. And the word also says to forget not all of his benefits. But too many times... We make excuses for why those things aren't amongst us by saying, oh, that's just a minor thing. That's just a minor thing. No, he said it was to be in the church, and if he placed it there, I don't find it to be a minor thing at all. If he placed it there, I look at it as something that I need to see evident in the church, something that I need to see operating in the church, because he promised that the signs and wonders would be amongst us. And he said, this is a benefit to you. And he comes and he says, forget not all my benefits. In other words, remember them. They are to be there. They're there for you. They're there to lift you up. Every single service, we have the opportunity to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we have a word that promises that he's here, where two or three are gathered. So every service, if you believe in the scripture, then Jesus Christ is here. Unfortunately, we don't always operate in that service as if we actually believe that scripture is literally true. Because if you literally, 100%, right this very moment, believe Jesus Christ is sitting next to you. There's no possible way you could close your eyes and drift off. There's no possible way you would not have sang every song with every single fiber of your being, singing as hard as you could if you literally believed he was there with you. So what I'm telling you is if you didn't do those things, you don't exactly 100% believe. You just read it and go, well, he's with us. We're two or three are gathered. Thank you, Jesus. We're talking about the king of kings. We're talking about the Lord of lords, the one who gave up everything to die for you. He's here tonight. He's here in this service tonight, and he's here every single service, and he has unlimited, absolute power and signs and wonders and miracles that he wants to do amongst you and manifest himself to you. And yet, why doesn't it happen? We act as if he's not really here. Because our response shows that. 
Listen, when the word of life comes forth that says you have eternal life, that you're going in a rapture, the very shout of the king should erupt through the camp. When you recognize that he bore my sin, I'm not going to go to hell. He's going to snatch me up. When the wicked comes to, to devour my flesh, they're going to stumble and fall, and we manage four. That's right. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You are my king. You are my Lord. I thank you. I love you so much. And everybody would go. But why? When the, when the minister says, and he reads, and he says, and I sent my word, and I healed all their diseases. By my stripes, they are healed. That's right. Go ahead. Really? What about the shout of victory? What about you that have been healed by those stripes? What about you that know? Why can't you say, it's nothing but the truth. My God is true. His word is true. His promises are true. He's touched me. He's healed me. Thank you, Jesus. And if you believed he was here, that's the response that would flow forth from your mouth. When we're led in prayer and somebody comes up and they say, let's pray. I don't know if you ever noticed that expression. I haven't heard one yet say, y'all listen, I'm going to pray. Let's pray. And you hear him and Brother Jonathan praying. And I appreciate it. And there's others praying. I know that. But it's, oh, Jesus. Yeah, yes, Lord. That's right. How'd you hear what the man praying said? If you was praying, what do you mean that's right? He said, let's pray. There ought to be a roar come up in this place as we begin to lift up our needs into the throne room. We begin to invite the presence of God to fall down amongst us. And we begin to say, dear God, take control of this service from now to the end. Lord God, I know you are the Almighty and I know you want to do great works amongst us. And Lord God, I'm expecting tonight, I'm believing tonight, I'm expecting you to pour out, anoint the minister tonight, anoint the songs, Lord Jesus. May the very anointing come that breaks the chains and breaks the fetters. And I have a friend over there that needs salvation. I have a friend over there that needs healing. And I'm expecting to see it tonight. And if everybody was praying like that with the same fervency i'm not sure we'd even break into the song service for the power of the almighty god would fall on this place the shekinah glory would fill the temple and then we'd have a church service then we'd see the power that we're longing to see then we would see all these things that i'm talking about but there's a reason we don't see them and it's not him it's not the promises and it's not a problem with the word as number says the Lord their God is with them. How do they know? Because the shout of the king is among them. The Lord their God is with them because the shout of the king is among them. Why aren't there more services that shake the walls? And we have them and I love them. But why aren't there more services that shake the walls? Why aren't there more miracles in our midst? I've seen miracles in this church. I'm just asking, why aren't there more? Why do the things God promised not operate amongst us more frequently than they do? Because I believe that the power of God working amongst the bride as we get closer and closer to the rapture is going to get greater and greater and greater. I believe we're going to see greater and greater manifestations. I heard Brother Branham say just the other day on tape, he said, I believe the time is coming. He said, when we'll see limbs that are missing just grow right back and reappear. 
I believe as we get closer and closer to the rapture, and it has no choice but to do that because here we are in time and we're at the place of a blending where we're literally beginning to step into eternity and into the realms of the almighty God. And as we get into that blending area, there absolutely has to be more power. There has to be more manifestations. There has to be more healing. There has to be more gifts. There has to be more outpourings of the Holy Spirit because why not? Why wouldn't there be? Why, why is it that we reach this time and we get to this point and people are actually expecting less? Why would we get to the point where we need God and we need the power of God more than ever and yet people are expecting less? Not, I'm not expecting less and less. I'm expecting more and more. More wonders, more gifts, more miracles because of the blending that's taking place. And I say it has to start sometime. It has to start somewhere and it has to start with somebody. So let me ask these three questions. Why not tonight? Why not here? Why not us? Why not tonight? Why not here? Why not us? Why do I want to look to somebody else and go, one day they're going to get the power. One day they're going to step into it. They're going to have the realization of who they are. They're going to have the revelation that they can do the greater works. No, I want the revelation of how to do the greater works. I want the power of God manifesting itself through my life. I want to see it manifesting itself every single service in Evening Light Tabernacle. Why not us? History tells us that the Welsh Revival started when a young girl named Flory Evans, she stood up in the back of a service, and she threw her hands up to heaven, and she said, I love the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart. And that was it. That was the spark. It pleased. It was her Hattie Wright moment. It pleased the Holy Spirit so much that he just poured out upon that meeting. And then day after day and meeting after meeting, sometimes it takes a spark. But somebody's going to have to be willing to go, I'll be that spark. It'll be me, Lord. I'll raise up and say, I love you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done, for all that you're doing, and all that you're going to do. I'll praise you in this storm when things aren't good, when things look bad. You're my king, you're my God, and I praise you because I love you with all my heart. You're my all in all. You're my everything. Somebody will be that spark. Somebody will be that spark. It so pleased God that he fell and started one of the greatest revivals that we've ever seen. It was an action that caused a reaction. It was words spoken from a sincere and desperate heart. I know you know this quote, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. Now remember this. Christ in the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. But the book of Revelation shows how that the Antichrist spirit would come into the church and defile it. Making it lukewarm, we can't be that. Formal, we can't be that. And powerless, we can't be that. It exposes Satan, revealing his works, the attempted destruction of God's people, and the discrediting of God's word. Right down to the time that he is cast into the lake of fire, he fights that. He's not going to give up fighting that. He cannot stand it because he knows. I want you to focus on that. He knows. He knows. He knows. That if the people get the true revelation of the true church and what she is and what she stands for and that she can do the greater works, she will be an invincible army. Listen to me. He knows. He knows. I want you to understand. He knows and he wants to keep you from knowing. 
He already knows and he wants to keep you from knowing. The the, the prophet said for you to pray for revelation always because he said this was a revelation. If you get the revelation of who you are and that you can do the greater works. Now let's move on from he knows. Let's move on to you can, you can, you can, you can. You can do the greater works. 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 And the prophet of God will tell you that's thus saith the Lord. You can do the greater works. But the devil doesn't want you to know he doesn't want he, it's okay if it's here it's okay if it's here it's okay if your doctrine's right he'll let you sit there in your doctrine and be lukewarm he'll let you sit there and be lukewarm and be spewed out of the mouth of God but when you get the revelation of who you are and what you stand for and that you can do the greater works he can't stand before you he can't stand before me there's nothing that we'll come up against that we won't utterly destroy and cast aside because we're marching on with the king of kings and the lord of lords he doesn't want you to know but you can you can, you can. Amen. Listen, this is a vital revelation. Let me ask you this. Are we to be an invincible army? I think I added a syllable there. Are we to be an invincible army? Yes. The prophet said in order to be that, you must have the revelation of the true church, of what she is, of what she stands for, and what she can do. So to me, it's not an option. Knowing what we can do and operating the gifts and the power of God and what we have the capability of, that's not an option. Because without that power and out that revelation, we're no longer an invincible army. Because he says, when you get this, when you realize, I believe I'm preaching to a group of people who have realized it tonight. I'm just trying to shake you just a little bit, but I do believe you've realized this. I do do believe you're coming into that place where you recognize that Satan's just a liar. I believe you're coming to that place where you recognize that Satan's just a bluff, and anything he tells you, he can't hinder you. As long as you stick with this word, and you stick with what this message taught and what's in this Bible, you are an invincible army. Because his word says, by his stripes I am healed. His word says that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So there's nothing he brings up against us that can conquer us, because why? We are an invincible army. Listen, Satan's okay with your doctrine being right. I know I said that, but I want you to understand so many people are camped down on, but I know the truth. So does he. Satan knows and he trembles. You got to do more than know. Listen, the greatest message to ever strike this earth, the very pillar of fire amongst us again, right on the verge of the change of our bodies, and yet people expect less manifestations of the power of God. That's not good math. All right, something's wrong, and I want to examine it for a little bit. Is there anything wrong with the promises of God? Is God any weaker than he was when he gave those promises? Is he not the same yesterday, today, forever? Sure he is. So that's not the problem. That's not it. God's word is true. God's promises are sure. It's like I told the young people, Acts 2.38 works. It's worked since day one when it was given. He gave a very simple prescription. Repent, be baptized, you shall receive. Repent, be baptized, you shall receive. But I didn't get it. Okay. Let's go back and figure out why. Let's go in backwards order. Were you baptized? Yes, I was. Okay. Were you baptized correctly in Jesus' name? Yes, I was. Okay. So if you were baptized correctly and you didn't get the Holy Ghost, then we've narrowed it down. There's only one thing left. There's something wrong with your repentance. There's something you didn't do right with your repentance. Because if you repented and you were baptized, you're going to get it. It's that simple. So if you didn't, you can narrow it down. And and so what I'm getting at is this. 
If you take one of God's promises, there's nothing wrong with it. If you don't receive what you asked for, go back and find out what you didn't do right. Go back and find out why I didn't receive it because I know his promise is true. I know his promise is sure. I know these things are supposed to be operating in the church. I'm not seeing them the way I think we should. Why? Let's examine. Let's find out why. Brother Branham says, and then we begin to find out miracles isn't taking place no more like they were. The sick still goes home sick. It isn't because of God. It's because of the lack of revival among the people. There is no revival. They sit and listen and go home and say, well, I guess that was pretty good. Uh-huh. See, there's not that zeal. There is not that something in the people that should be there. I remember 15 years ago here in Arkansas when I was having a little meeting up there at Jonesboro when about 40,000 people tried to attend Come to the meeting at a city of about 15,000, and they laid under cotton trucks and everything else. And they held papers over their sick children just to get inside, and they sat in their seats and wouldn't leave day and night. They had their loved ones go get them a burger and a bottle of pop, and they would stay there day in and day out, day in and day out. Their hearts were burning on fire. Just the least little thing God did set them on fire. Just the least, and how many times are we guilty of going, well, that wasn't that big a deal. The least little thing God did set them on fire. And hundreds of them come in. He's still the same God tonight that he was 15 years ago. He's still the same God tonight that he was when he created the heavens and earth. And I say he's still the same God tonight in Evening Light Tabernacle as he was when a prophet of God spoke this. And we should expect the power of God to operate in our midst. Signs and wonders and miracles and all those things. Look, I understand that they don't just have to happen at church. I get that. As a matter of fact, there's five days a week I don't go to church. So I need the power of God manifest in my life daily, just as much during those five days, if not more, than I do in the house of God. But that being said, we cannot overstate the importance of power-packed, Holy Ghost-filled services, where the Holy Spirit comes down and the anointing drops in and the people get on the edge of their seat and they begin to pull. And an atmosphere begins to be created. And that sinner boy sitting next to you, he comes in a sinner and he can't hardly stand to stay a sinner. Because on this side, there's an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. And on this side, there's an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. And on this side, there's an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. And before the service opens... Because of the atmosphere that you created, the atmosphere that you created, he's running to the altar saying, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I have need of you. Because of the atmosphere you create in a power pack service, they walk in sick, they walk out healed. They walk in bound, they walk out delivered. But it's because of the atmosphere that you create. Because you have a part to play. I have a part to play. We can't overstate the importance of those services where we come together and the weakest Christian can gain strength in that atmosphere of faith. They can be lifted up above the troubles. They can be lifted up above the trials that they faced. And you have a part in making it happen. See, Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus. He knew all along. Brother Brown says he asked the women to roll the stone away. Looked like he'd have been a gentleman. And he'd have took it away himself. But he asked them to. Why? Because you've got a part to do. You have to do your part. So what can we do? And there's so much I could say in so many different directions to go. Let's look at prayer. Prayer is not just something that should be done at breakfast time, at bedtime, lunchtime, mealtime. And the beginning and ending of service. 
That's not what prayer is for. Every single one of us should find time to pray within our prayer time. I'm not even talking about how often you pray. But when you're praying, there should be time set aside to pray for our our services. For the atmosphere that's going to be created in here. For the needs that you know are in the body that are going to walk through those doors. Pray for the minister that the anointing will be going. Pray for the song leader. Pray for the musicians. Pray for those sitting around you. Pray for the lost. Pray for the one that you know is going through a trial. And begin to pray and say, Lord, when we gather together, show yourself to be a living God. When we gather together, let the power of the Holy Ghost fall in that place. Lord God, I'm expecting you to move. That's the key word. I'm expecting you to move. I come looking for you to move. Lord God, I know you're going to do mighty things because your word is true and your promises are sure. I'm, I'm, Lord, I'm calling out to you for our sick. I'm calling out to you for our, for our loss. I'm, I'm praying for the song leader. Lord God, have your preempts. And if that came from every one of your mouths every single day, try him one time. Try him one time. Instead, we show up on Wednesday. We walk in church, even if it is 30 minutes early. Good. We sit down, we open our Bibles. Lord, bless this service. But there's got to be a deeper sincerity if we actually want to see God move on the scene. There's got to be a deeper sincerity, a longing, a desire to see him break forth over the people. To see him break forth and do the works that he promised that he would do. Another thing we must do is we must beseech him all the time. Not just for a moving of the spirit in our church, but in our homes. Amongst our children. on, On a daily basis. And ask God how he would want to use us. God, how do you want to use me in that service? What what, what do you mean, use me? Well, that's not limited. I'm not even going to give you a description. Ask God. God, how do you want to use me? I'm not a singer. Doesn't matter. What if I'm just the one that creates the atmosphere that stands up and says, Lord Jesus, I love you with all my heart. That little girl was willing to be used that day. And so God used her in one simple thing. And too many times we look at things because what man calls great, God calls foolish. And we go, that's not a very big deal. I don't sing specials. You don't have to sing specials. You have to be willing to do what God asks you to do whenever he moves upon your heart. It may be that you sit there and pull on the gift of God and pull on the gift of God. And so those around you become blessed as that gift turns directly over to your area and begins preaching and begins preaching. And it begins to flow all over you because you were used of God to pull that gift in that direction. Be willing to be used. We, we can't leave church on Sunday and then not think about the next service until Wednesday and then wonder why, you know, service seemed like it drug a little bit tonight. Did it seem like that to you? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty good. Song service didn't really have much pep to it. I mean, Brother Tim, I mean, he went a little long, but, you know, I mean, it was good. If that's your description of a service, there is something seriously wrong. There is something absolutely wrong that must be fixed. It must be a bad matter of prayer. God, we have unsaved among us. May this be their night. Lord, there are needs amongst us. Show yourself living. Lord, speak directly to my heart tomorrow night when we gather together with the believers. Lord, there are demons of depression and there are demons of anxiety trying to take our young people. Lord, God, deliver them. It's not just in the prayer line that these prayers need to be mentioned. But may they come forth from our lips every day, every time we enter into prayer with our Lord. You know the needs. And even if you don't know the needs, you know the need supplier. And since you know the need supplier, just lift up the congregation to him and say, Lord, I'm lifting up this congregation. Deliver them, Lord God, and move amongst them. And you say, does it really make that much difference? Prophet of God says, if you want to be an indebtedment to this meeting, another word for that is hindrance. If you want to be a hindrance to this meeting, just don't pray. 
He said, by you not praying, you have hindered this meeting. That is a direct quote. If you want to be an indebtedment to the meeting, just don't pray. If you want to be the greatest help this meeting can have, it's not financial. Here's the greatest help you can be to this meeting. Set aside an hour or two every day that you pray for the meeting. Go out and visit someone if the Lord puts them on your heart. Bring them into the meeting and then pray that God will save them while they're here. If they're not already saved, heal them. If they're sick and if they're in need of healing, that's the greatest contribution that you can give to any meeting is to pray and seek God to help in this time of trouble. But what if I come and I sing this great special and it brings the place down? The greatest thing you can do for a service is pray for it. The greatest hindrance you can do for a meeting. What if I come to the service and I fall asleep? No, that's not what he said. The greatest hindrance is to not pray for it. During the Welsh Revival, there was a minister. They said that went to a certain place on a road where there was a big culvert. He got off his horse. He crawled underneath the road into that culvert, and he prayed. And he said, God, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, God, I pray that every person that passes over this culvert will fall under such conviction of the Holy Spirit that they won't be able to go another mile without accepting you as their Lord and Savior, without repenting of their sins and coming uh, to that place of knowing you as their Lord. And then he went to different restaurants throughout the city, and he would sit at a table, and he would ask if he could say the blessing there, and he would. He'd say, Lord, let no man sit at this table, that they don't become convicted under, uh, under the moving of the Holy Spirit, convicted of their sins, and want to turn to you. And it was written in papers, and it was written all over, and it, and it was verified that they would witness as men would be on their horse riding down the road, and they would get there, and they would just stop. And they would get off their horse and almost look around in the wilderness, not knowing what was going on. They would fall to their knees, and right there in the middle of the road, they would cry out to God. And they would accept God, and they would ask for his forgiveness, and that he would move in their life, and that he would change them. And in restaurants, people would be astounded as people would get their food and go to eat, and they would just push back from the table almost in disgust and just begin to cry out to their Lord and Savior. I don't want you in the culvert tonight. But what about when you walk through those church doors? What about when you walk through and you say, Lord, there's going to be a lot of people walk through these doors tonight. Lord God, there's broken people. There's sick people. There's people in need of you, Lord God. I pray as they pass through these doors that the Holy Spirit, that the balm of Gilead will begin to flow over them, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for those that are going to sit around me tonight. Lord, may I create the proper atmosphere. May I create the right mindset. May I begin to worship. May I have the right mental attitude. And may there not be a single person. And watch the difference it makes. If a man could crawl up in a dirty, stinking culvert and pray that people that rode their horse over get saved and they got saved. What about when we come into the house of God, if we'll dedicate it the way it was truly meant to be dedicated, and more importantly, dedicate ourselves the way we were truly meant to be dedicated, and then watch the power of God break forth in Evening Light Tabernacle the way it promised that it would. Why do we gather? Not because it's Wednesday night, and well, we go to church on Wednesday night. We gather together to hear God speak. We gather together to see God work. We gather together to see him manifest his power and to see the glory of God. If you come to church because that's what we're supposed to do, that's the attitude that gets you a pretty nice sermon from time to time. That's the attitude that gets a healing touch in the service every now and then. That's the attitude that every now and then a little bit of praise is going to break forth at the end of a meeting. 
That's the attitude that, oh, man, you remember last month when, they, when that old girl went to shouting? Woo! Last month. It's been last month since the shout of the king was in the camp. Why? What about the Shekinah glory, glory filling this place tonight? What about the pillar of fire roaring back and forth from wall to wall? The people of God shaken under the power of God. Listen, it's here every service. It's here right now. But what we want to see, what we desire, what I'm looking for is actually see it break loose upon the people. Break loose in freedom. Break forth unhindered, unfettered, and be able to move the way he sees fit, the way he wants to move and empower us with the life that he wants to give us. He's wanting to break forth over this congregation even right now. He's wanting to break forth and show you a sign and a wonder and a miracle and his goodness in your heart right now. He's wanting to fill somebody with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that's been seeking even right now. He's wanting to do a complete healing even right now. But do you think he can? Do you think he will? Or is it That would be neat. That would be awesome. He wants to break loose in here more than you want him to break loose. Just same way he wants to give you the Holy Ghost more than you even want the Holy Ghost. He wants to move in our services unhindered more than we even want to experience it. But it's not going to break free and it's not going to break loose over a people who are not expecting it. He's not going to break loose over a people who have not prepared for that service. He's not going to break loose over a people whose mind is distracted by thoughts of, that's a good sermon, I wonder when it's going to end. How long is he going to go? It's not going to break loose over people sitting there going, man, i got a lot to do tomorrow. It's not going to happen. He's not going to break loose over you sitting there going, this is not my favorite song. He didn't ask you to like the song. He said create an atmosphere that he could flow freely. Raise your hands up, get your opinions out the way, and worship the living God. Enter into worship so he can move. Don't you dare let your preferences and things you don't like keep somebody sitting next to you from getting the blessing they deserve to get and that they're there to get because of your rotten attitude hindered the atmosphere around you. He's not going to break loose in something like that. He's not going to break loose over people sitting there going, is faith all we're going to hear preached about today? You say, does that really matter? The prophet said our thoughts hinder a meeting. I'll read you a quote. Come, sister, how do you do? We're strangers to each other. Wait, I feel like coming somewhere that I'm reading their mind. Don't do that. You hinder the meeting. So your attitude about the service, about the songs, about the service, about the testimonies that are giving have an impact on the service itself. Why don't we create an atmosphere that allows the Holy Spirit to move freely amongst us? Where we're locked in to why did I come to church? Why am I here? What are our goals? What am I here to do? That, and you come to the recognition that life hangs in the balance every single service. That someone could walk across that line. That somebody could receive healing from, from, from any type of terrible disease or sickness that's upon them. That any minute somebody could receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That life hangs in the balance. You'll begin to take it a little bit more seriously. When you recognize the importance of the moment and the environment and that you have a part to play, that you're locked in and you know that life is in the balance, and you come and ask yourself this question, will I be a conductor of the Holy Spirit tonight? Will I be a conductor of the moving of God? Will I create an atmosphere at my pew 
that causes the Spirit of God to flow down through my pew, and it brings conviction to those sitting around me, and it brings conviction to that young lady or that young woman sitting next to me? Will I play a part to create the atmosphere that allows that spirit of depression or that spirit of suicide to be driven off for that sister sitting near me, or will I be an insulator? As the Holy Spirit begins to move and it begins to pass over my way and it's going to bless the people right on the other side of me. But it goes to move over me and it's hindered. It goes to move over me and my attitude hindered. My negativity was so evident in my lack of worship. I just had such a horrible day today. My negativity was all over my face. All over my body language. I'm just so out of it tonight that the very spirit... That had that man bound, found strength in your atmosphere? That you created such a cold atmosphere that the spirit of the people that needed to be delivered of found comfort sitting next to you? Are you going to be a conductor? Are you going to be an insulator? One who will create or one who will hinder? You have that much influence on every service. You play that big a part. And what happens every Wednesday and every Sunday in the lives of your brothers and sisters. A part to play in the miracles and the gifts that we see or don't see. Don't raise your hand, but just in your heart, I'm going to ask you a few questions. How many tonight showed up expecting there to be a song service? Well, of course you did. And you got it. How many of you showed up tonight expecting a sermon? You did. And you're getting it. How many showed up? Expecting a normal Wednesday service. How many genuinely, you don't have to answer, showed up expecting to witness signs and wonders tonight? How many of you expected to see a miracle? How many of you even, let's just take it down a notch, how many of you expected to see what we would call a, you know, a shouting service? The majority of you answered number three. A normal Wednesday night service. You showed up expecting a normal Wednesday night service. And the problem with that is that our idea of normal has drifted from what the idea of normal was to the believers in the book of Acts. If that was our normal service, I'd say I agree with you. If that was our normal service, that would be perfect. They showed up on, you know, in the book of Acts expecting a normal service, and they got it. The sick were healed, the blind see, the lame walked, the tongues were spoken, they were interpreted, the miracles of God, the power of God broke forth every night, and they walked out and said, Woo! Normal service! Love it! But our idea of normal has changed to where normal is. We sang some good songs. That one special was awesome. A few times, Brother Tim hit some wonderful points. They were good. They blessed me. We raised our hands. We stood up. And we got out on time, and I wasn't starving to death. But it was a good serve. That was normal. That was normal. I did, Man, it felt good in there today. I felt strengthened. That's good, but you're living below your privilege. Normal can be so much more. Normal can be so much greater. How do you know this? Because the normal that was promised to us in the word is not the normal that we're living in. We are promised so much more. I'm not being greedy. I'm not being stingy. I'm just saying, Lord, you promised it. I want it. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Here I am. Do whatever you want to do. Here I am. I accept it. I I expect it. And I'm here to receive it. Instead of, man, that would be crazy if that happened in service. Why? Shouldn't it? You come to church tonight and say, oh, I didn't see nothing. The reason? You don't let the Spirit of the Lord get on you. 
You let the Spirit of the Lord get on you, you'll see something. That's right. Usually you get what you come to see. If you come to criticize, the devil will show you enough to criticize. You come to see the Lord, God will see that you see it. You usually get what you expect to see. That's right. So you just expect the Spirit of the Lord to come on you and show you his resurrected power and signs and wonders, and you'll see it and you'll get it. Listen, we don't come prepared to receive these things because we don't come expecting to see these things. We don't dig out the ditches because we're not expecting any water. But if we want the water to flow, you got to dig out the ditches. You got to prepare for it. You got to say, Lord, if there's anything in this, oh, I hit something that ain't supposed to be there. That's a root. Let me cut it out. I'm going to cut that root out and I'm going to dig these ditches to where the water can flow freely. I mean, as a matter of fact, my brother over there is struggling. I'm going to dig a little canal over there to him and I'm going to pull on the gift of God. So when the water comes flowing down here, if he's having a bad day, it's going to get right here and it's going to turn and it's going to splash all over him. I'm going to do my part and his part just in case he's struggling. I'm going to do everything I can to see that the Spirit of God moves in our service and then. Brother Branham actually says in one place, and then if you do everything you can to, to, to make sure the Holy Spirit moves in the service, then we can stand together at the day of judgment and say, Lord, we did our part. You can stand there and say, Lord, we did our part, and I got great news for you. If you do your part, I promise you, I guarantee you, I give you my word, whatever that's good for, he will do his part. I give you his word that he will do his part because he promised he would if you will just do your part. You have a part to play. He says... He says here, you want to see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit? You want to see the gifts in action? Then come expecting. We want to see these things, but we don't open ourselves up to be the oracle that God can show these things through. Wait, you mean he wants to do that through me? I thought he was just going to break forth right here up above us. and we're No, 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 no. He's going to break forth in you. He says, but you don't open yourself up to be the oracle that God can show these things through. He wants to use you to manifest his gifts. We so many times think, man, somebody spoke in tongues. Or somebody may speak and somebody may interpret. God may prophesy through the, God made it. What about you? He said, open yourself up to be the oracle of these things. He wants to use you to work miracles through. He uses you to pull the gift of God out of the minister during the preaching. It's, it's the words of eternal life. He wants to use you to pull it out for even, not only you, but those around you so that they can drink from it. Listen, God is the same every single service. He always plays his part. He always keeps his word, but he needs somebody surrendered. I'm going to tell a testimony for just a moment about my wife, and I ask her permission to do this. But years ago, her and... Her and sister Tina used to be Hamilton Bryant. Tina Bryant was with Brother Tim. And it was right before we got married, and they were just talking. And Lydia made a statement. She said, oh, I would, I would never want to speak in tongues. And if I misquote her, she can correct me. But she said, I never want to speak in tongues. You know, she, in her mind, she said, I just thought that would draw attention to me. And I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't ever want to speak in tongues. That would be embarrassing. And Brother Tim, he's not above rebuking you. <clears throat> he rebuked her and he said, gently, I'm sure. He said, no, that's not the right attitude. He said, we should want everything that God has for us, whatever that may be. You should be willing to be used of God however he wants to use you. 
So she immediately repented of saying that. She felt horrible about it. And in her prayer life, every now and then she'd bring it up, Lord, I'm so sorry that I said that. If you ever want to use me, Lord, I'll be willing. Lord, if you ever want to use me to do that, I just want you to know I'm willing. Not, Lord, I want to speak in tongues. Lord, please let me speak in. That's not how we're supposed to seek after things. That's, that's not what this is about. This is about saying, God, I'm willing. God, I'm available if you want to use me. And she would say, God, if you ever need me, I'm willing. I'm sorry. And she would repent and use me. Then one day she was coming to Minden. She was driving down Germantown Road, and she was just praising the Lord in the car. And just, just talking to him. And, and she said, just out of nowhere, just, she just broke loose, praising the Lord in tongues and speaking in tongues. And, and they were just flowing from her. And, and I'll never forget when I saw her that day, her face was swollen. She'd been crying. I'm like, what in the world's wrong? She's like, absolutely nothing's wrong. And she, and she just relayed this wonderful experience to me. And all of us in, in this church have through the years heard that gift operate in her. And we've even been in church where, where she spoke in tongues and then the interpretation come. And it's not that she's some special, super gifted person. It's because she said, Lord, I'm willing. I'm sorry that I said that, but I'm willing. And many of us sitting here tonight going, but I don't have any spiritual gifts. When's the last time you told him you were willing? How do you know? How do you know you don't have? When's the last time you said, Lord, if you want to move in me, I want you to move in me. I'm willing. I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the moment. And you say, I don't have a spiritual gift. You don't know. Because you haven't yielded enough to him and surrendered enough to him and come to the place where you're willing to be used however he wants to use you, which would benefit all of us. Have you sought God to see what he has for you? Is your attitude one of, yes, Lord, use me anytime, anyway, anywhere for your kingdom? If it's a spiritual gift, if it's to sing, if it's to preach, if you're gifted in prayer, whatever your part is, God cannot use it unless it's surrendered to him. Listen, he's here every service. I've said it, and I'm going to keep saying it. He's here. He moves in our midst, speaking to our hearts. And we've seen the effects, and we've seen his power. But I can see him. Even now, I can see him hovering right up above us, waiting for an opportunity, waiting for the opportunity to break out across the congregation, waiting to move, waiting to manifest himself in a gift or in a power, in a tongue, in an interpretation, whatever he wants to do. And there's the moment. We all feel it. You felt it before. You know when something's fixing to happen. And there's the moment, and he begins to break, and he begins to move, and here he comes, and what happened? An attitude hindered it. Something stopped it. The vessel he was going to use wasn't willing. The vessel he was going to use wasn't surrendered, and he just passed right on by. And we all felt that we were ready to explode. We were ready for that moment. We were ready for it just to break out in a glorious manifestation. Something stopped it. And you can never get that moment back. You can never get that moment back. And I've had conversations, and I dare say many of you have too, where afterwards you're talking, you're like, man, I thought something was fixing to happen, and you just felt that the atmosphere charging, and it shot me when something was about to happen. We stopped it. Something was about to happen, and we hindered it. Don't ever be guilty of that. Don't ever be guilty of that to where 
You have to answer for the reason something didn't happen in church that allowed somebody who desperately needed to see a living God. And it was about to break forth and they were going to get to see it with their own eyes. But you had a sour attitude. You hindered the very move of God. Somebody didn't play a part. Somewhere the circuit didn't make a connection. That's why we must be in one mind, one accord with one goal and one vision. Bible tells us in Acts that they dedicated themselves and it lists things. It says to the apostles teaching, to fellowship with one another, to prayer, to breaking of the bread. And so in all things they were dedicated. In the very next verse it says, and many signs and wonders were being done amongst them. So if you notice what goes hand in hand is dedication and many signs and wonders. You want to see the signs and wonders where there must be a greater, deeper dedication, a greater and deeper sincerity. You want more? You want a book of Acts amongst us? Then dedicate yourselves to it. The prophet of God said that this word can only produce Acts 2.38 Christians. So he placed you right there in the book of Acts. If if you're a follower of this message, the living word of the hour, then you are an Acts 2.38 Christian if you've been born again and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So you ought to be able to walk pretty good right through the book of Acts because that's right where you were born. That's your home territory. That's where you're supposed to operate. That's the only kind of Christians this message produces. So we shouldn't have any problem operating there in the book of Acts. That's how we are to operate. That's what we are to expect. And that's what our normal should be. We must do our part. We must pray. We must worship. We must pull on the gift of God every single service and be willing that God will use us. Listen, I'm not advocating in any way fanaticism. I'm not advocating worked up emotion. I'm advocating that we do our part to allow God to move unhindered. That's what I'm advocating. I'm saying get yourself out of the way. Surrender your embarrassment. And I don't know what they're going to think about me. I'll tell you what a Christian's going to think. They're going to think, praise God. That blessed my heart. I loved every minute of it. Somebody runs around the church. I don't go, what's wrong with them? I go, glory. Hallelujah. And it blesses us because those gifts and those things are for all of us. They're to benefit with all, all of you. Don't be worried about what people think. There's one person you should worry about what they think, and that's the king of kings and the lord of lords. And he just specifically asked you to do something, and you went, "Mm mm-mm. And you're worried about what I think? I promise you what I think or what my friends think or any of these people think matters not. What he thinks is all that matters. When he moves on you, move. When you feel that little unction of the Holy Ghost, go with it. It's the Lord trying to get you to move and and operate freely in the service, unhindered. Listen, someone's going to do it. Somebody is going to be the true church with the revelation of how they're supposed to operate. That's why it says, hold fast, lest no man take your crown. Brother Branham says, now, he can provide himself a church. He don't have to have me. He don't have to have you. No, he don't. He doesn't have to have. He can provide. Somebody else can take your place. Be careful someone don't take your crown. He don't have to have us, but we have to have him. And if you ever lived, you've got to have him. Don't let someone take your crown. Don't let someone do your part. You do your part. You receive your reward. You receive your crown. Listen, I don't ever tire of the testimonies that we have in our, in amongst our, our congregation. And, and, and I want to talk about some of these. Um, I'm extremely thankful for Sister Mariah's testimony. It, it, it absolutely, it thrills my heart that the very creative power of God came and moved down on her situation and put hair back on her head. You know why? Because she expected him to. There was a service one Sunday, I remember, where, where you created an atmosphere 
Brother Tim stopped mid-preaching and he called her up and he laid hands on her and we cursed that demon that would try to take her glory. And then the youth at youth camp created an atmosphere where faith raised up in her heart and she walks up there and she has those bobby pins and she says, I'll wear these again. And I look there, the most gorgeous, wonderful head of hair, and it's because she expected it to happen. You see, her and her family have a chapter in the new book of Acts that we're writing. They already have a chapter written. When we get there that day, they have a chapter. You're going to be able to read and tell all about Mariah's testimony. I'm so thankful for Drew's testimony. Let me tell you, saying he was crippled is not an overstatement. Underdeveloped hips, he couldn't pull himself up on the table. And you talk about where are the miracles. And, and, and look, the miracles are here. I'm, I want to reiterate that one more time. I just believe they should be even more because we should be allowing them to move. But you talk about a miracle. A man of God stood there and had a vision at the family camp. And he said, I see him walking normally. This didn't happen 50 years ago. This happened two years ago. Proclaimed it to the whole world. It wasn't a secret. I saw it. It's going to happen. This wasn't happening. He's going to walk again. He's going to walk again. Don't tell everybody just in case. And we had a vision. And it came to pass. And the Holy Spirit dropped down in the house one day. You know the story where Sister Karen was. And a boy that had never walked before, he didn't get up and take a step or two and fall over like most people's first steps. I dare say his first steps were better than any of your first steps because they were first steps anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. He rose up and his first steps was to run around and play. That is a miracle that I'm thankful for. And there is a chapter in the book of Acts that's going to say Drew Dexter and his family and the faith that they had. They have a chapter in the book of Acts. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for Sister Karen's chapter. I was there that night in the hospital. I heard the doctor's report. I heard Brother Tim speak. The testimony's true. I heard him speak and say, tonight she'll be in this room. The next night she'll be in that room. And then she'll be coming home. That's a true testimony. I was there. I saw the doctors. I saw the concern. They didn't know how it was going to go. They weren't sure. They weren't. Brother Tim was sure because he had a word. He was sure because he spoke it. And it came to pass. I'm thankful for those testimonies. Sister Karen has a chapter in the book of Acts. My son Jude had a kidney that operated at 8%. I don't remember all the medical terms. But I do know this. We were told that as he got older, that kidney would dry up, shrivel up, and die. It would no longer work, and then we would have to have surgery to have it removed. I do know that was told to us. Fact. The last time we took him to the doctor, the same doctor that had been reading these reports, the same one that we'd been going to see, said, I don't understand. Apparently, they sent the wrong reports because this kid's perfectly well. This kid's perfectly fine because his mother moved under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost that said tonight's his night and brought him up to the front and a miracle took place and Jude will have a chapter in the book of Acts. These chapters are being written. The book of Acts is being written. Listen, if you get tired of hearing these testimonies, that makes two, you and the devil. There's no reason to get tired of hearing these testimonies. You say, I want new testimonies and get your pen and start writing your chapter so we can add to it. I want some new testimonies too. I want to see some more miracles too. But we can't all, it can't be 47 chapters about Sister Mariah. She has a chapter. Sister Karen has a chapter. They may get other chapters somewhere in life, but it's your turn to add to the book. It's your turn to have a chapter. It's your turn to say, Lord, be it unto me, whatever I have to do. And your chapter may not be the healing of your body. Your chapter may not be that. Your chapter may be I prayed and prayed and prayed. And because I was a prayer warrior, the presence of God broke out on Evening Light Tabernacle.
tabernacle. Your chapter may be I was barren and the Lord gave me a son. Your chapter may be I sat there and I pulled and I pulled. But it will say this, I did my part. I did my part. And because of that, I have a chapter in the book of Acts. Hallelujah. We are writing another book of Acts. We are. Not me, not Brother Tim. We. It's not for you to write. You're one of the authors. It's not for you just to go, whoo, another book of Acts. Let me read it. No. When you find that book, one day you're going to look there and you're going to go, look at my chapter right there. That's what God did for me. Read that, devil. Read that. My name's in the book. It's in the book. I got my own chapter. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Write your chapter. Write your testimony. It's not for you to read. You have a part. You have a chapter. It may be, your chapter may say he was a prayer warrior, sat on the edge of his seat, and he pulled from the gift of God, and he was always willing to be used, and because of that, he created an atmosphere that allowed many miracles to happen. That may be your chapter, great, but just make sure you have a chapter. Make sure you do your part. That's the attitude that allows God to move. Willingness, not hiding our gifts and hiding our talents. Sister Jessica, you have a chapter in the book of Acts. You surrendered your life as a little girl, and you said, God, just use me. And one day the chapter will say an anointed daughter of the living God who sang the songs of of Zion. She surrendered her gifts. She surrendered her life. And because of that, during the singing, spirits were lifted. Demons fled away. The Holy Ghost moved. People were delivered. You have a wonderful chapter in the book of Acts. You all have an opportunity to serve. You all have an opportunity to find your place in that book. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What will your chapter say? What would your chapter say? You with the gift of God who refused to use it. Who chooses not to use it. The chapter will say the complex was greater than my God. Is somebody else having to carry your load? Somebody else having to have three or four chapters? Somebody else going to have to wear your crown? He wants to do so much through this church. We haven't scratched the surface of our potential. We haven't scrapped the surface of what we're going to be. We haven't scratched the surface of what God's going to do here. But it's going to take a spark. It's going to take somebody to one day just grab hold to it. It's there right in front of you. It's not coming. It's here. But you got to grab hold of it and say, it's mine. It's for me. And I claim it tonight. And I will not be defeated. I will not be denied. It's mine tonight. You see... The part you play does not just affect this local assembly. It doesn't just affect this local assembly. Our services go around the world. What God does here, the part you play here affects thousands. The part you play, your worship affects thousands. I'm so thankful for Brother Tim's vision that it's global. That he wasn't happy sitting out there in White Oak Road. Like I said at the beginning, one of the things I wrote is that I said a church whose vision is to take a rapture. And with this as their vision, they are burning to get the message out beyond these walls. Knowing that we cannot go until the last one is found. That's why we moved here. That's the only reason we moved here. Listen, since the move, I don't know if you see them because a lot of times they come in, sit in the back, sit here, there. There may be more, but counting children, I've counted 30, guess, 31. 
that have walked through these doors and sat in these meetings. I'm not talking about message believers. I'm talking about people off the street. We didn't have 31 in the last 30 years. 30 guests since October that have heard the message of the hour, that have walked through these doors and sat back here and taken in services, walked away with literature, heard things, experienced things, felt the presence of God. They'll never be able to, never not be able to say there's a living God because they felt it. They knew it was real. They've all said we haven't experienced things like that before because we had a vision beyond these walls. We had a part to play. We stepped into that part. The moving of the Spirit here, us doing our part here, the power of God manifested here reaches the world. Before the move, we tried our best to reach out to the world, to do our part globally, but as much as possible, limited internet, limited our efforts. But people still tried their best to work with what we had. Look, I want to show you how much doing your part can affect so many. How that having a vision, having a burden, and yielding to it can change lives. Sister Mariah's miracle, it's incredible, but what if it was never shared? What if it was never shared? Brother Mike, are you ready? <clears throat> Brother Andrew Tushner had a burden to, to tell the the story of, of Sister Mariah. You've all seen the, the cover before, Restoring the Glory. And, and he, he produced this. And now, look at this, translated into other languages. Seen around the world because somebody had a vision that her story should be told. My brother Andrew, he works at the hospital. He plays our organ. He's not some computer tech guy that is employed by the church. No, he had a desire. Lord, use, how can you use me? This story needs to be told. This story must be told. I must make this. And he makes it, and it's been translated into other languages. You can't quite see it, but what that is, and I don't know if you can, but it's got every continent of the world up there. For reference, the real big blue dot on the far left is the United States. Every one of those dots represents a country that her story has been viewed in. A country, not a church, not one group. That's why, and the size of the dot represents how many people was viewed it. That's why it's bigger in the United States. But one dot could have been four or five churches. One dot could have been four or five youth groups. You have the next one, Brother Mike. Well over 10,000 views of that story. Now, if we showed it in here, correct me if I'm wrong, that would be one view. So that could be one view, but 200 people that viewed it. It has been viewed over 10,000 times because of one miracle and one burden. And you wonder why I want to see more? Think about the effects the more and the pile and the cascade effect of miracle after miracle pouring out from our church, pouring out from these walls with a vision to send it around the world to show a dying world that there is a living God. Listen, listen to me. The Episcopal Church this week voted to no longer in any of their literature use male pronouns to describe God. They will use gender neutral pronouns. You think there ain't people looking for a way out of the darkness? 
You think there ain't people that when they see something real and living and genuine, they don't recognize the difference between that trash, that filth that's vomited up from the great whore in the book of Revelations, and the difference between you, the living, breathing bride of Jesus Christ? Let's put it out there for them to see. There's nothing wrong with putting it out there and going, hey, hey, right here, there's a living God. Hey, he's here. Your ship is sinking, but there's a living God. There's a lighthouse. Come in. Come in. But you got to do your part. You got to do your part. You got to be willing. Next slide, please. Not yet, Daddy. We know the story is the healing of Sister Jessica Ward. Well over 20,000 views showed in multiple churches, youth meetings, and more being translating into other languages and many DVDs sent out. Another one I want to mention, even on the one before, Restoring the Glory. I know of several nominal churches that have showed that video because it's undeniable. It's not just going out to message people. And I'm glad that it is going to them to strengthen them and to lift them up. We need encouragement too. But it's providing a light. Next. Just recently, our brother Caleb Miles. Let me find this here. Not knowing anything about building apps. It was laid on his heart that he wanted Evening Light Tabernacle to have an app that was accessible by anybody who had an iPhone. This is it. Within two weeks, you'll be able to buy it off the app store. Completely taught himself. Completely went in, figured it out, researched it, did all the work because he had a burden that you would have access to this because sometimes it can be difficult on your phones and on tablets trying to go to the website, then trying to find where to stream, then you got to click this, and you got to. With this, watch what happens when you click your app. You click the app, and there you are. Click the stream, archives. It's right there. Two clicks, and you're streaming live from any Apple device. Why? He had a burden. He said, our people will want this. Our people will need this. That's amazing. That's wonderful. I don't believe Brother Caleb's here tonight, but I'm going to give you my hand anyway. I find that to be an awesome tool, an awesome thing put in your hand just because, just because. He had a burden. He wanted to do something. You don't have to have a voice sent down from heaven going, hey, I want you to. No, that's not how God works. He puts something on your heart, and you move under that unction. You move under that unction. Next one, please. Total website views continue to increase with a much larger increase since moving into the new building. Now, you may not can see these numbers. I'll read some to you. Last year, 2016, the month of November, we had 18,000 visits to the site. Is that right? Is that how I would say that? So I'm pretty computer ignorant myself. This year, 28,000. 10,000 more in one month because the move has allowed us to stream continuously to put a better product out there to, to offer it and to have it out to where people can actually stream. During our meetings in one month, we had 63,000 visits to our website. In 2014, I'm going to skip a few years, we had 250,000 in one year. 2017, 336,000, an increase of over 100,000 visits. You have a part in reaching the world. You have a part. It's not just about the sermons. It's not just about the singing. Listen, if Brother Timothy or Brother Mike came out here and all y'all left the building, every one of you, and they had a song service, the atmosphere would be terrible. 
And so many times we go, well, the song leader didn't do a good job. It's not on the song leader. If you weren't in here tonight and I preached this same message, it would be pretty awful. Because there'd be nobody to receive it. There'd be nobody to pull. You create the atmosphere. You create the services of Evening Light Tabernacle. We don't. You do. You create the services. You are reaching the world. Next. I'm just wanting you to recognize that doing a little part, what it can do. Listen to this. Brother Mike Dexter, if you don't know it, I'm not talking to him, I'm talking to you. If you don't know it, he works tirelessly. Tirelessly. He has such a burden to get this message out from this church. He works tirelessly to do things for this church, to promote this church, to put things on the internet, to do this, to do that. He's constantly working. This is a clip at the end of a service last Wednesday. Last Wednesday, one week ago tonight. Pastor Tim Pruitt, during the end of the Wednesday night service on January 31st, 2018, it's when he was up here speaking about flying over the mountain after he stood there at the bottom of it and he saw it. And then a few days later in Banff, he flew over and he looked down upon the mountains. And we were singing that song, um, Set Your Wings to the Winds of Faith. So what he did was, I'm going to try to explain it in layman's terms. He took a video clip, he took it, and he pushed it on Facebook into a 30-mile radius of this church. So only people within a 30-mile radius of this church received it. Okay? And then it had a certain... Um, can't think of the word, but basically it went to people who had Christian affiliations or things like that on their profile. So people who had any, some type of affiliation with God or Christianity. And he pushed this video to where everybody within a 30-mile radius on social media would receive it. In one week's time, the end of that service with you sitting here, has been viewed by local people 7,100 times by people within a 30-mile radius of this congregation. Local people seeing what you're about, what you believe, what you stand for, and comments coming under there. Wow, that's true. Wow, that's anointing word. That's people from Minden, people who now know you're here, people that now know you here that are seeing this going, what is this? Wow, that's good. Wow, that's something. 7,000 in a week. Because somebody has a vision, and he's pushing it out. Next one. Youth choir, week and a half ago on Sunday, singing Faithful to the End during the Sunday morning service, January 28th. He pushed it. This, actually, he didn't push this one. He just sent it out. Didn't even push it, which means it didn't get promoted. He just put it out there for people to see. Over 5,000 views in a week and a half. 5,000 sets of eyes. Now, could you have reached 5,000 people this week? You did. Young people, you have a part. You have a huge part. And when you stand up there, remember, I say this literally, the world is watching you. The world is watching you. Sing with all your heart. Sing with everything you have. Worship God with everything you have. Youth camp's coming up. You're going to be asked to do a skit. After the last time you did a skit two years ago, I received texts and phone calls for six months saying, hey, we just showed that skit in our school. Five months after youth camp, three people gave their heart to the Lord. You have a part, and one day you'll stand there on the day we give an account, and you'll have that crown to cast at the feet of Jesus because you did your part. You sung for him. You gave everything you had. You did your part. And if we all do our part, we're showing you what a few men have done. A few. What if we all caught the burden? Next slide. Sunday night, I was here studying for tonight, and I stayed late. This is 9 o'clock, 8.30 at night. You can play it. 8.30 at night, Brother George, still up here Bible studying with people in Japan. Very helpful. Maybe, how's 
She just said, this is very like, helpful. Indonesia, Japan, it's far off, like Kyoto or Osaka. We did some Bible study with these people online. Of course, it's not as good as, you know, meeting face-to-face. We were all gone to the house. But a man had a burden. A man has a part he wants to play. He's called a vision that we can't go home and that there's going to be a bride from around the world, from every nation, from every kindred, from every tongue, and he has a burden for that nation. And he's working at it constantly. I was at, I was at Brother Joe's the other night from 8.30 to 10.30, and I didn't get to visit with Brother George because he stayed outside on the phone the whole night with people in Japan. The whole time, lifting him up, witnessing to him, encouraging him, telling him we're coming back. We're here for you, brother, because he's got a burden, and he wants to do his part. He got a burden, and he wants to do There's other people. We know Brother John Lay, a man that's not a minister, had a burden, and he wanted to do his part. And because of that man sitting right there, the whole nation of Japan's on fire with the message because he had a burden. Let me tell you what. You think, what can I do? I'll tell you what. Sometimes it comes in odd ways. Uh, Brother David Dexter. He's sitting up there right now, wants to do something for the Lord, recognizes how many Spanish people there are in the world and how many Spanish people there are around here and that we'll need a Spanish translator at some point so so he can help the work of God. He's teaching himself Spanish because he wants to do something because he recognizes there's a part to play. I mean, who would have thought of that? I think I'll learn Spanish. He did. And And I think it's incredible. I think it's awesome. I think it's wonderful that there's men and women in this church that can have an unction of the Holy Spirit and say, God, I just want to do my part to see the furtherance of the kingdom of God. And if we can get all of you on board, there ain't a devil in hell that's going to keep us from the finish line. I'm telling you, it's just right there. And if you'll throw down the peanuts and throw down every weight that besets you and run and run, we'll be there in the blink of an eye. We will be there in the moment and the twinkling of an eye. We're right there at it, but you got to do your part. You got a part to play. Amen. Look at the impact that just a few have when they say, I want to do something. May we all be found on that day doing all we can. I'm, I'm almost done. I believe what we're doing is we're showing the world. I believe we're going to show the world that there is a church, and in this church, the word is preached. And in this church, the sick is healed. And in this church, the lost are saved. And in this church, the bound are delivered. Listen, get out your sword. Even now, just draw your sword here at the end as you, as you realize we're at the close. We realize we're at the end of the service, but don't put your sword up. Keep your sword drawn, and every time we come to church, have your sword drawn. Be ready to fight. Be ready to swing it because you have a part to play. And you have a chapter in this book. I want you to realize that you, every single one of you, have a chapter to play. And listen, there's, there's another chapter being written right now. There's a chapter in this book being written right now, and you're going to have an opportunity to be part of that chapter. Listen to me. You're going to have to be an opportunity because there's always opportunities. But the thing is, you've got to jump in when the water's trouble. All right, you want to see a miracle. You want to see a move of God. You want to be used to God. Keep your sword drawn. Because you don't know when it's going to be your turn to charge. You don't know when it's going to be your turn to fight. When you're called on to run into the valley. When you're called on to jump into the water because the waters are troubled. Just have your sword ready. Because what happens is when we see devils defeated, 
Normally what we're going to see is more devils defeated. It's like in a prayer line. It can move along for a while. But when you get one that breaks through into victory, faith rises in the ones behind them. And that faith raises up. And when their faith raises up, the hold of the demons that's binding them begins to get weaker and weaker. And it allows for a deliverance. We saw that in Oregon when the maniac came up and challenged Brother Branham. And once he was defeated, everybody was delivered because that demon was defeated that made the challenge. The demon that was the chief there. And when we see those happen, when we see things begin to happen, other demons begin to fall. So when devils are defeated, that's the time that you can have your miracle as well. That's the time that you can step into your victory as well. Listen, notice when God begins to move, any and everyone ready and willing will receive. When God is moving, anyone willing and ready will receive, but you have to do your part. See, listen to me. The day Goliath died, David wasn't the only one with the testimony. The day Goliath died, he wasn't the only one. Uh, the day Goliath died, David wasn't the only one with a victory. Bear with me for just a second. He wasn't the only one with a testimony. Israel never got tired of hearing David's testimony because their testimony was directly connected to his testimony. You understand? Listen, uh, th- there weren't bystanders that day. On that day, they all played a part. And tonight... And tonight we have one down in the valley of Elah. There's a Goliath called cancer that has challenged the army of the living God. And our sister Alana has not run away afraid. No, but she's gathered her up a few smooth stones from the river of life. Listen, and we heard his boast. We heard his boast. The boast said, I'm going to take your life and I'm going to destroy your flesh. And from her very mouth, I've heard time and time again. On this day, I will slay thee, and I will take your head off. Get ready. I want you to get ready. Listen, listen, you want a miracle? You want a testimony? When that sister reaches down and picks up the demon of the head of Goliath, and she turns around and shows you, you better hold your sword out. You better charge into the valley. You better charge into the valley and slaughter them and kill them until the setting of the sun. The Bible says they chased Philistines until it was dark. You better be ready because she's fixing to hold the head of that Goliath up. She's doing her part. You be ready to do yours. You be ready to do yours. We're not going to be bystanders. Our swords are drawn. Our swords are drawn. Our swords are drawn tonight. But will you do your part? Will do you do your part? You're ready to see a miracle? Be ready to charge. Be ready to run into the valley. Don't be a bystander. Don't be caught standing on the hill watching. It will be the day that you can have your deliverance. You can have your healing. And I say it's here. I say it's here. Glory to the living God. Just try him one time. Just try him one time. He will never disappoint you. He will never disappoint you. You can't expect too much. You can't expect too much. Glory to God. Glory to God. Give him praise, all you saints. Glory to God. Lord Jesus, we love you. We adore you. We worship you because you are worthy of our praise. Lord Jesus, we lift up the name of names, the the name above all names, the King of kings. 
Lord God, you have defeated every enemy. You have defeated every devil. And you will defeat them in my life. You will defeat them in the lives of the men and women of Evening Light Tabernacle. Because we are a member of the bride of Jesus Christ. And we're going to the finish. We're not limping in. We're running in. We're victorious. And I will tote the hand of every demon of hell. Every Goliath. I will tote it up as a token of your victory. Of your grace in my life. Because you are my king. I don't bow to their kings because they have no rule over me. I don't give my praise to the gods of this world. They have no rule over me. But you, Lord, are my king. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody's going to play the part of lukewarm. Not us. We will not be lukewarm. And if we're not lukewarm, then we will do exploits. If we're not lukewarm, then we're going to be found doing all we can to play our part. To get this message out. Are you perfectly ready to stand and answer that question? Of what did you do with the gifts? What did you do with the talent? What did you do with your opportunities? Prophet of God says, tonight I give out. Last night I was going to speak a little while tonight, the Lord willing. Don't want to keep you too long, tire you, because we're expecting. And I'm expecting God to do something that will start the meeting a rolling right here in the city. You pray. You do your part. Then when the judgment comes, we can all stand and say we did our part. May God find us doing our part tonight. That's my prayer for this church. They did all they could. They gave all they could. They played their part. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you tonight, Lord. We commit this message, Lord God, to you. We thank you, Lord God, for the realities of the word of God. Lord God, we would believe, Lord God, that you are a mighty God, that you are a living God. Lord God, and we, Lord God, forgive us, Lord Jesus, that we don't come expecting more. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, that we still have not because we ask not. But, Lord Jesus, may we be a people that recognize the spark amongst us, Lord God. And, Lord God, I'll just cry out and say, Lord God, be it unto me, Lord Jesus. Lord, use me how you see fit, Lord God. May it not be a work of my own doing, Lord God. May I never manufacture anything or work up anything. But, Lord God, I just want to be surrendered to where when you want to use me, I'm available. When you want to use me, Lord God, I can say, Lord... Here I am, Lord God. Use me how you see fit. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that every sick person in this building receive a touch from the healing angel of the Lord Jesus Christ right now, that they walk out of this building healed, that they walk out of this building delivered because I serve a mighty God. And my God has never disappointed. My God has never let me down. And I stand here tonight, Lord God, recognizing that you are the King of kings and that you conquered sickness, you conquered death, and you conquered the grave that day. Lord Jesus, and we are expecting you, Lord God, to show your works. We are expecting you tonight, Lord God, to manifest, Lord God, in your power among us. Lord God, I expect you to back up your word because you said if we do our part, you will do yours. We give you praise and glory and honor tonight and we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for the mighty works and the miracles that you have done amongst us, Lord God. Lord, I in no way, Lord God, want to put those down. They are wonderful and they are mighty, but I expect more because you are capable of more. You are a glorious and wonderful God and we serve you now, Lord, with all of our heart. Lord, if there's anything found in me, Lord God, Lord, I pray it be purged out. Lord, I lay it at your feet and I say, forgive me of anything you find in me. Lord God, not like you. Lord God, of any wasted time. Lord God, of things, Lord God, when I could have better spent it serving your kingdom. 
Forgive me, Lord God, and give me the vision and the burden, Lord God, of a man of God, Lord God, ready to spread the message of the living God across this land because you're worthy of it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So tell him, Lord, I surrender. I surrender to you. here to do that tonight. Say, Lord, I just want to feel your presence like I never have before. Let your presence fill this vessel tonight, Lord. Oh, yes, just make that your cry to him. Oh, surround me. 
Oh 